My name is Avinash Ashok, and I'm the co-president of the LSE Google Developer Student Club. This is our newest initiative to launch a podcast to contrast senior and junior perspectives. And today with me, I have Chris, a third-year student at the London School of Economics, and Justin, a first-year student at the London School of Economics. They talk about their experiences as students at, of the LSE. Chris, you have the floor. Feel free to introduce yourself, um, You know, state your name, your year of study, what course do you do, what society, sports, or activities uh, are you currently a part of at LSE? Hi, uh, my name's Chris, as previously mentioned. I'm a third-year politics student, and in terms of societies, uh, I'm definitely most heavily involved in the Abacus Society. And what about you, Justin? Um, hi, everyone. My name is Justin Lam. Um, I'm a first-year economic student, and I'm from Hong Kong. So I'm currently like the co-chairperson of Asia Investment and Banking Conference, so AIBZ, and I'm also the LSE M&A Group Analyst and also the LSE Business Investment Group Alumni Relations Subcommittee member. I think, uh, you know, Chris and I are just smiling just because it's, it's overly ambitious, right? It's what we like to see in our first-year students. And I think all of us at some point were, were always sort of reaching for the stars, don't you think? Yeah, that definitely reminds me of when I was in first year as well. <laughs> what, what kind of things were you involved in in first year, Chris? Pretty much exactly the same thing. There's Asian Investment Society, the Consulting Society, stuff like that. Just getting involved in all of that stuff and then also just thinking about spring weeks and everything. Yeah. Just like, you know, reaching for the stars. Yeah. I've always been curious about what your guys' first impression of LSE was. Uh, so, Chris, why don't you just tell us, what did you first think of LSE when you came? Uh, when I first got here, I was definitely taken aback by how international it was. So, I never did a school visit. Um, I only went to Cambridge to do the interview. So, I was taken aback by how, I suppose, international it was and how hardworking everyone was here. Yeah. What about you, Justin? Yeah, I think echoing what Chris just said, I think... As a first year student, like when I first came in, I feel like it's a place full of stress, like and then it's like quite a career focused university, <laughs> like and especially for me, like coming from economics major, like people around me every day are just talking about like you know spring weeks, job application, no matter it's like during the lecture, after lecture, or even during like lunch or like dinner time. But then I think it's quite rewarding for me as like at us just like been here for like three or four months. Because like, I think stress is something that can drive people to like push their limit, and I think that's what make that's what make LC students like very unique. No, I think I just wanted to highlight a few points there because uh, you know on the topic of diversity, even my first year module GB one hundred one Introduction to Political Science, I walked into that class Monday morning, and we had to introduce ourselves, and I noticed that there were no two students out of twenty students, there were no two students from the same country. Right, every single student was from a different country, and that's when it struck me how international LSE actually is. Um, and I completely agree with you. I think I love the infrastructure. Right, the new buildings that we're building. Um, I think the Marshall Building was number two or number three out of five proposed buildings. Um, so LSE has some great plans for at least the future. And I wanted to ask you, how would you contrast those first impressions with what your impression is of LSE today? I definitely feel like I thought before. Uh, it's quite similar to Justin, where. Um, people were working way too hard because I saw too many people in the library. But I realize now that the library is also a place to socialize. I, I like thinking about it as if it's like the lower level you are, the less, the more chill you are. And then the higher up you go, the more stressful you actually are. So I figured that, um, whereas before I thought maybe, yes, it's really international, but it's very stressful to be around everyone that's working so hard. I figured that people actually really know how to play. So it's like a very work hard, play harder sort mm -hmm. of area, which is... It's different than what I thought in first year. Yeah, yeah. I think like, LSE is just not a place like just for job hunting. I think 
although it's quite career focused. But there are also like people around me, like I know someone from Singapore who is going to return to for military service, who is like going to get into the army armed force. Like he's planning to do that for six years at least with like a contract. And I also know someone like such as my roommates, like he has no plan about career at all. He's enjoying his life, enjoying his academic work, reading all the time. It's valuable for me that I met different people with different backgrounds, and they have very different story as well. So、uh, I think it's quite cool to be a student at LSE. Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys,、um, what's one thing that you'd like to achieve or experience by the time you graduate, right? So, is there something that stands out to you that you'd like to really accomplish by the end of your three years at the LSE? I guess on short term and long term goals, like.、Uh, By my by like in by the end of two thousand twenty five, so like short term, I think, um, as a culture person of AIBC, I want to run a very good conference in Hong Kong this year. So like in another one is probably like it's not about LSE, but I want to watch like a Manchester City Premier League match at Manchester, at like a home game as like a Manchester City fan, and also like um, I think some long longer term goals is like uh, I want to like land a good job, obviously. Like more importantly, I think I want to travel more than. Ten countries in like around Europe, like by the end of two thousand two thousand twenty five. So coming back to you, Chris, I just wanted to know, as a third year student now, what's something that you wish you would have achieved、uh, by the time you would have graduated? Um, I think looking back, there are three things that I wish I would have achieved. I'm currently working on fulfilling them, but I think one of them is definitely out of the question, which was being in the committee for a society. So in ter, I think I was definitely. Hindered by the timing of COVID and everything, and not being able to be physically present, and also just because when I came here, there's a bit of culture shock and me not really knowing how to just put myself out there.、Uh, in terms of the other two, one was definitely、uh, just as Justin mentioned to, to travel more. So again, I'm trying to rectify the situation and、um, just to go to more countries and everything. And the third one was、uh, I kind of regretted not making more friends in first year. I think first year is kind of like. Just like a melting pot, where everyone is trying to make friends, you really just everyone's eager just to get to know each other, and then by around you know summer term first year, start of second year, these friend groups are kind of cemented. So it's quite hard to break yourself into it. But I'm very lucky, and I'm very glad that I've worked quite hard to just you know put myself out there this year and just have my own little friend group. So it was quite nice. Yeah, I mean, before we dive into a much deeper topic, I was curious to know,、uh, Justin, what's one place that you'd like to visit? In the next two and a half years,、uh, you know, maybe in Europe or in the region. And Chris, what's one place that you've been to that you'd really recommend that people visit? I think one place I want to visit is like Iceland, because like my friends like visit Iceland before. The Northern Lights, I want to see that. It's like I think definitely something one of my to do list, like lifelong to do list. Uh, just this is a perfect question because I literally just came back from like Rome, and I have to say you have to go to Rome. It's like there's so much history. And there's so much to do. Like I did a pasta cooking course. I learned how to make tagli tagliatelle and ravioli, and then I just made that for my friends like last week. And then it's just really romantic as well. And it's just such a beautiful city. Like the first night, me and my friend we, we went and we were just like, okay, let's just go on a random walk because we got there at nine from Milan, nine p.m. And so we just walked across the bridge. And then she was like, "Oh, what is that building over there?" And so we walked like about five minutes down the street to this huge, majestic plaza with like fountains and like statues, and it was just us and a big Christmas tree, and it was completely empty because it was quite late. And we were like, "What is this place?" And then we looked on Google Maps, and we just walk into the Vatican, and it was just such a magical moment. So I have to say, you have to go to Rome. So on that note, you know, taking it back now to to some things that Justin had mentioned earlier, which was the statement, and I quote. 
coming to LSE, obviously I want to land a good job. And I actually wanted to emphasize on that word obviously, right? Because I think we've all felt that pressure to get a good job, to apply for spring weeks and internships and full-time roles. And Justin, would you just mind talking about maybe that word choice there, right? What's the culture like at LSE from your perspective as a first-year student, you know, obviously applying for these, these roles? Yeah, I think like the reason why I said obviously is because of my background. Kind of push my limit, see how far can I go. Yeah. So that's why I said like obviously I want to land a good job, like put my name down at LSE as someone who is like a great alumni that maybe some juniors can eventually reach out to me. And on that note, do you think that's something that a lot of LSE students share, right? That drive <clears throat> to become successful or, you know, or at least successful in, in the traditional sense, right? Landing one of those big jobs with that pays you a lot. Do you think that's something that a lot of students share in your, your opinion? Yeah, I think so. Like from my friends group, like they're very passionate about stuff. They're always so open-minded to explore different things. And I think LSE like have some great opportunities for different people to explore different stuff. And people like, they just eventually achieve different things. They eventually find their passion, eventually like find their motivation. And I guess just to reiterate uh, what Justin said, I think the culture at LSE is a bit competitive. It is a bit cutthroat. Uh, people are always wanting to succeed. But I would disagree with a lot of what has been said publicly, which is that everyone wants to just go into finance or consulting. Just because I know a fair amount of people who have started their own companies, who have used the, the resources provided by LSE Generate and Houghton Street Ventures. Obviously, it is in the minority, I'll admit that. But I think it's a, glow, it's a growing sort of population of students who are passionate be, about things that are more than just finance and consulting nowadays. So what are your thoughts on this, Chris? I mean, there's always that term that gets thrown around, like the, the hardos. And, and it's quite funny because you do finance, but the finance bros. <laughs> but I feel like that term, you kind of, you, you hear about it more than you actually see it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's kind of unfair because like, I feel like everyone here is a bit of a hardo, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, it's relative. And just like, just, just to add on to that point about what you said about, you know, unconventional careers mm -hmm. outside of finance and, and stuff like that. It's just, I feel like that really echoes with sort of what I'm going through right now. Like, you know, I took my gap year and then I started like just doing a brief experiment to, to music and everything. And then that did quite well. And yada, yada, yada. One thing led to another. And I'm back in third year. I'm, I've completely changed my life plans. And like, I have no intention of going to finance anymore. And I just want to like just do my own thing and just work on my own music and everything. So I thought it was quite interesting that you mentioned that because I definitely agree with what you said. Yeah. Before we go deeper into the life plans idea of this, and I definitely want to touch on sort of your interest in, and passion for music. Um, I wanted to actually talk about something you mentioned earlier uh, a couple minutes ago, which was about the culture shock that you felt when you came to LSE. Could you just <clears throat> highlight what exactly was that culture shock? I'm very lucky to have been able to have gone to an international school. So obviously I was living in a bubble. And the fact that it was in Beijing was on even more of a bubble, I suppose, because of like the language barriers, because we all speak English and stuff, and people don't really understand. But, you know, and coming here and, first of all, just... The way things work in England, for example, the tube is different, like uh, how people are used to it, the food is different, the conventions and the culture here is different. But then also the people that go to LSE, for example, like I'm very lucky enough that I don't have to worry about, you know, paying for my university as much. But like I've mentioned people who are working through college to support them. And like that was definitely a shock as to a recognition of my own privilege and to how I wanted to make the most of my opportunities here. When I got here and I was, it was just me and some high school friends, I was like, I didn't really know how to make friends of my own, right? Because I didn't really have these skills. No, I mean, it's, it's very interesting that you mentioned this regret or 
um, you know, I think regret is a powerful word, but just the wish that you would have made more friends in first year, because I completely understand that. It's just truly about putting yourself out there and understanding that everyone else in your situation is just as scared, if not more, than you, right? So everyone wants to make friends. And if you take that initiative, I think it can never hurt you. But I guess now I wanted to finally come back to this idea of long-term ambitions, right? So would you mind, Chris, just highlighting what, where that passion for music stemmed? Where do you see yourself in the next few years? And, and also on the topic, would you like to stay in London or would you, could you see yourself going home? It all began, I suppose, again, like uh, during my gap year. So one of my friends that goes to, I think, Boston University, and she's really into video editing. So she just, you know, she came, pounded on my door and said, Chris, Chris, let's record a cover. I want to edit a video. And so we did that. I think it was Peaches by Justin Bieber. So we did that. And then she was like, okay, just try posting on this on this platform. It's called Xiaomushu. And um, it's like this Chinese social media thing. It's like a blend of Pinterest and Instagram. So we posted that and like kind of just like forgot about it. And then like the next morning I woke up and my phone blew up and like it went kind of viral, right? So then I was like, oh, cool. This is like people like how I sound and this is definitely something that I enjoy doing and I can definitely try it out. For that summer, we just kind of posted more and more covers and then garnered some traction. And I ended up being contacted by like different people. Normally, I don't really like reply to like the sort of DMs on the on the on the platform because like in China, the music industry is like very predatory just because there's so many people, right? One day, I was like just bored, twiddling my thumbs, and I was like, sure, I'll entertain this person. So I hopped on a call with them. Turns out they are it was an A and R A and R representative from Taiwan. Uh, they talked to me and sort of listed out like we had a very good conversation about like taste in music like the direction of music in asia how that varies between countries and i sort of left that conversation with like a very good feeling and then the next week i had talked with another record label in china the direction that i saw from them was very much so that they wanted to manufacture me into something marketable and so i thought that for me that would have stripped the soul out of what makes it enjoyable for me which is self-expression and just making sounds, making a sound sort of that I feel like is me and I, I identify with. That was sort of, that sort of changed my whole, I suppose, like career aspect or life sort of goals. Again, like I'm just very grateful, extremely grateful that, you know, the talks with the, the first people, the people in Taiwan worked out well. And in fact, I ended up going to Taiwan this summer to basically just record some songs with them and just have like a good time, do, write a bunch of songs, record some songs, get to know the team and everything. And you know, I understand that the music industry is extremely cutthroat and it's, a lot of it is based on chance. You know, in a couple of years, I could be, you know, doing it full time, making a living out of it and, and just be very happy with where I am. Or I could be going back to school and having a different life plan. And I'm completely prepared for that. What about you, Justin? What are your thoughts on, you know, eventual goals? Yeah, this, this reminds me of like one of the interview questions that we usually face, right? I just find the industry very interesting challenging stuff like i see myself in finance like my interest in numbers my interest in the job itself the work the industry nature like with passionate people like ambitious people like i completely agree that there's a lot of people at lse who love finance for finance right if they weren't in this university they would do it anywhere else and it's not about the culture but i think there's just as many people who have been indoctrinated into that culture to make it to make them maybe feel like they need to apply for those internships in order to fit in, right? So I would probably fit into the latter group just because, uh, again, I wouldn't be in finance if not for LSE, um, but I'm grateful for it. And I think it's a good way to at least start a career just so that you have something to fall back on. Um, but going back to what Chris said earlier, it is this idea of if you find your true passion, right? Yours being music. Some of my friends started their own 
you know, pro bono consultancies or have started their own firms. And so if you find that passion very early on, you know, there's no need to really use finance or consulting as a stepping stone. So, Justin, I also noticed while Chris was speaking about music, uh, you know, you were nodding your head quite a bit. Is, do you have an experience with music or do you used to play any instruments? Yeah, like I actually thought of being a musician when I was still young. So like I have learned flute for more than 10 years. And then um, I also like played violins and piano before. And I'm also like the choir members participating in quite a few of international competitions, not just with flutes, but with the choir in my old school in Hong Kong as well. At some point, I just felt like I might not be like, a good musician. As you know, like flute, like in an orchestra setting, basically, like there are only like three to four flutists. And back then when I was like 15 or 16 years old, I'm so glad that my old school in Hong Kong like exposed me with opportunities to like network, not network, but like to like learn from different people from different schools. And I met someone, she actually joined um, Asia Youth Orchestra for two consecutive years. And for Asia Youth Orchestra, it is like the largest youth orchestra in Asia. And it was very famous, it's very hard to get in as well. As, and then at some point, I just felt like, hmm, do I want to do something else? Why, and I'm just reflect on myself, like, why do I want to become a musician? As I mentioned, like, how far can I go? I think there's a long marathon. Like, do I want to do that for a lifelong thing? Or is it, and is it feasible? Is it practical? I think I'm not truly passionate in that. Not that passionate enough compared to others. Mm. So that's why I just decided to, like, maybe explore other stuff. You can't just turn your interest into career. Sometimes interest in interest, career is a career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, do you have any thoughts on that? Look, that kind of reminded me, I think it's this whole idea of risk aversion, right? Because even I would go in, if I, if I could right now, I'd be a basketball player, right? I think it's a really cool thing, but it's something that's so risky inherently because not a lot of people make it to those leagues, you know, where it's a sustainable future, as Justin mentioned, right? So music is a passion. I've played guitar for a long time, but I've kind of given it up lately to pursue other things that are more sustainable in the long term, right? So I think part of it does come down to how risk averse are you or, you know, how much can you see your interest again turning into a career? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't see that, then it is easier to go for the more sustainable option because industries like banking and consulting, for example, have those structured programs. And so it has a lot of a lot more structure and security than does sort of the creative industry. So what are your thoughts now, Chris? Oh, in that sense, once you mentioned that, like, it, I definitely had to have, you know, a discussion with my parents, you know, like, I'm very grateful that, you know, Asian parents, they kind of broke the mold when they said, yeah, sure, go for it. Just do your, do your passion. But, you know, obviously, like, when we had those talks, it, again, it was how sustainable was this, how realistic was this going to be, how feasible was this going to be. And so, like, you know, like, in fact, last week, like, I had a talk with the careers people at school talking about what are my options for after I graduate. Because even though I am signed, I don't really have a stable income unless I release music. And for the first, I think, two to three years, I will not be releasing anything. Because, like, it's just a constant sort of accumulation of songs and stuff before you can really, you know, see, is do we have a direction for an album? Do we need to write an album specifically? Do we have enough for, you know, a set and everything. Mm. So, you know, like, it takes it takes a long time for me to actually get started. Like, so for the first, actually, couple of years, mm-hmm. there's not much going on for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that if I didn't do this, I would have gained time in the conventional sphere, but maybe I would have accumulated some regret. As opposed to now, I won't really have any regrets, and at most, because I'm signed for six years, at most, I'll have, like, you know, used up six years of my life to experiment. And if I don't, then at least I'll have answered the question of would this have worked? I think that was just sort of, the thought process at least that we had like you know, six months ago yeah on that point I think the fear of regret is a very powerful emotion right because 
as we go back to the first topic about, you know, or not even first topic, but one of the early topics in this conversation about, you know, what do you wish you did at LSE or what do you hope to achieve or what do you hope to do? A lot of that falls back on regret, right? Wanting to do something now that in three years you wouldn't regret. Um, and that's what maybe drives most of our decisions. So I completely get where you're coming from, Chris. And, it, you know, from that perspective, is it daunting to actually enter now an industry where for the first two, three years, you don't know what's at stake for you? Well, the way I'm thinking about it is that I have an opportunity, which not a lot of people get to have, to do something that I really enjoy, and I get to make a living off of it, possibly. And I think, you know, my dad always says this thing in Chinese, where he says, which basically means to have your, like, passion and have, like, your sort of, the way you make money have some sort of union. And then it's like that, you know, old sort of aphorism, if you enjoy what you do, never work a day in your life sort of thing. Yeah, you know, thinking about it that way, it's just, wow, like, I do have something ahead of me that, like, is really unique and uh, I'm very grateful for. Yeah. Justin, did that uh, that saying resonate with you in any way? Like, it is very cool to become a musician. Like, it's very cool, like, do something you're passionate about instead of, like, even, like, you work very long, but you're passionate about, you don't really feel that, right? When you're doing something, you don't really feel tired, don't feel sick of it, don't feel bored of it. No, I guess this all comes back to, you know, if you do something that you're passionate about, you're maybe more likely to work harder than anyone else just because you won't feel fatigue you wouldn't feel you know sadness when you fail you just feel motivation to constantly want to succeed in that field so i think even if you're super passionate about something maybe those are the people that often succeed it's because they are willing to do anything and everything to find that success and to make sure that you know they're able to practice their passion Um, but i guess now coming back to the final question what's something that you wish you would have heard from maybe a senior at the time yeah, I think like I get two pieces of advice. Like the first one is understand yourself and understand what you're going for. So I think back then I really wish that I could understand myself back a bit better. So always try a different stuff. Like don't just think that oh I want to study like this course, I want to study that course. Explore everything. Like read more, like talk to people, talk to different people from different like from different majors, talk to the seniors, talk to the alumni, find your true passion, find what you are passionate about. And then I think another thing is like understand the university. People might ask like, would you choose Cambridge or Oxford rather than LSE? For me, I would always go for LSE. I just feel like I think culture is a thing. Like it's somewhere that the environment is somewhere that will shape you as a person. And I think LSE is somewhere I want to like land with passionate people with like some different stuff that LSE offer. It's in London, great place, great location, great infrastructures. I mean, Cambridge, Oxford, it's cool as well. Like, I studied in Oxford for two years in my LFOs. I really love Oxford. But maybe I'm thinking about, like, would I want to, like, what kind of people would I like to get in touch with? What type of people I would like to shape myself? So understand yourself, understand your university, do the research. I, I, I reach out to alumni. I reach out to, like, current LSE students and, like, LSE alumni. So before we hear from Chris's piece of advice, I also wanted to talk about a New Year's resolution that I had for last year. So for 2022, I told myself that I wanted to meet one new person every day. Um, and for the most for most of the year, I was able to accomplish that. And the way that I do that is, you know, you meet friends of friends just at a party and then you'd have a good 20-minute conversation with them and I'd count that, right? Anything that's more than 20 minutes is a good conversation for me. Um, but there were some days I'd sit in the library, you know, all day studying and I'd approach random people to just have a conversation. And so I think part of it is definitely getting to know new people, learn about new perspectives, and that's the entire reason why this podcast is even being launched. 
And so I completely echo that sentiment, Justin. But now coming back to Chris, what's one piece of advice maybe that you'd give a first-year or second-year student at LSE? For second-year students, I would definitely tell them to work hard. I think if you can secure an inter- a job or return offer, an internship, and a first average for your second year, then for third year, my advice for when you go to third year is take as many second-year courses as you can, and then you just have a lot of fun, because that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm really enjoying it. So yeah. that's, that's my biggest piece of advice. Awesome. Look, that brings us to the end of the podcast episode. I just want to thank you guys again for taking the time and um, looking forward to speaking soon.